0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com, that's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 221, oh my goodness, 221, that's crazy, Two 200- hundred and 21 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing how on earth we can create those safe and sustainable and of course, minimalist nurseries and kids' rooms. To help me do this, I am speaking with Rachel Fowler. Rachel is a nurse and she is an interior designer. What a unique combination of professions. Rachel is also the author of a new book, which is out right now. It is called My Happy Place, Healthy, Sustainable, and Humane Interior Design for Life and Work. And so Rachel's taking her unique professional endeavors and combining them today so that we can talk about eco-friendliness, safety, and all things as they relate to our kids' spaces. I should say, too, that we're talking about sustainable, eco-friendly, safe home design. And today we're really focusing on the kids' rooms. However, a lot of Rachel's tips that she offers us are applicable to every single room in our homes. Rachel, I'm so thrilled to talk to you today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show today. It's much appreciated.
0: Well, I'm happy to have you. Why don't we start by you telling us who you are, what you do, and how you found yourself writing a book?
1: uh um, well I'm an interior designer or an interior architect if you're in Germany which I'm currently based I previously before doing interior design I used to work as a children's intensive care nurse for 15 years and then I wanted to follow my ambition for art and design so I went and did university and trained and then we relocated to Germany and I worked for a design house briefly and then I thought oh to actually design sustainably and fulfill my life and ambition for work in design, I started my own company, up, which was at the begin beginning of the pandemic last year in 2020. It became evident that people didn't really know how to design sustainably or didn't realize what's actually in their products.
0: Well, congratulations on your upcoming launch. By the time this episode comes out, your book will be into the world. And I know as an author, how exciting that is. I wanted to have this conversation with you about how to create those sustainable nurseries and kids' rooms because I feel as though when parents attempt to create that sustainable home, they focus mostly on the kitchen and perhaps maybe their own closets and perhaps maybe the bathrooms. I feel like the nursery and the kids' room are pushed to the bottom of the list. Why do you think it's important to? Take our eco-friendly efforts and apply them to our kids' spaces.
1: I think, well, I think it's important for any space in any home, to be honest, to be eco-friendly and sustainable, not just for the environment, but for your own health and well-being. I think because if people realize what actually lies beneath a lot of the products available on the market, they'd be quite shocked by what they'd actually find in it and actually products that mark themselves organic or green they're not actually what the label states. So it's, it's really hard to try and achieve that and, and not be swept away. And, and and at the end of the day, everybody wants to have this really fun, really funky bedroom for their child or their, or their new arrival, their baby, thinking this is great. Um, and I was reading something online, online the other day, interestingly, written by a pediatrician in Australia, who was saying that, you know, you see all these images on Pinterest of these great nurseries, the fairy lights and that, and then you actually think of the risks of some of these things that are involved in the children's bedrooms and that, you, you know, it's, you know, speaking as a nurse myself, you can see it. But if you've not got any knowledge there, you know, the things that could happen, quite scary. Hmm. You bring up a
0: great point there, which is that most parents, or at least I should speak for me, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I spent so much time on the internet looking at Pinterest photos of swoon-worthy nurseries. I spent so much time, thought, effort, energy, money in creating this idyllic space for my new baby. Never once did I consider the environmental effects, the health effects of all the stuff I was stuffing into the space. What items... In your opinion, should never be in our children's rooms or nurseries.
1: Oh, it's so exciting designing this fabulous space for any, and it's first baby, it's even more of a big thing, isn't it, really? But it's just don't overfill your nursery because they grow so quick. This soon turns to, to clutter. If, like you say, if you're not having another child, you then can sell it on, but avoid plastic toys, plastic furniture. Go for traditional, like you put a little table and chair in there because every child likes to draw, starts learning when they get older, they like to draw, and then they can use it for a while. Get, make things of wood, wooden toys. Also, um, floor lamps. I know it's nice to have that ambient fit lighting, but floor lamps no, they can be detrimental once the little one starts crawling and everything. They can become a, a real hazard. And also, don't put a TV in there. Try to avoid loud playing musical objects just and if you are having freestanding furniture make sure it's secure on the floor that it's not going to topple over and hurt your child stay clear of canopies around the bed the cot because they can be detrimental if you have got a bassinet and there's lots of um, fabric around there that's not going to help the ventilation of airflow through which can put the baby at risk Fairy lights. Avoid fairy lights on the crib or anywhere where the child can get them, because obviously these can be uh, a swallowing issue, or obviously they can get wrapped around babies or children's necks. So it's just—I know it's really hard. You're probably thinking, "Oh my goodness me! I've just seen all these in these images on Pinterest with canopy with fairy lights, and they're so quickly that it's just just really design a nursery. Really think buy stuff that can go can work with them. Obviously make the the nursery fun paint the colors that you want to paint Um, and you know if you've got a theme you want to theme but just try to stay away from that massive marketing thing it's like oh this is your baby coming blah blah you need this you need that and it's just like do I actually need this
0: I like what you're saying there you're essentially saying to take the long view don't look at the infant stage and maybe the young childhood stage and neglect the whole parenting picture instead intentionally insert items into the child's space that can grow with them it's it all comes back to conscious consumerism right like what what marketing is being pushed upon me versus what is actually in in my vision you can still have a theme for your nursery without going overboard. You can still have a theme that grows with your child. It just takes a little bit more forethought than heading to your local e-commerce site and clicking buy now. So I love that take-home message. I want to go through each part of a room and you can use your expertise to tell us what parents should be thinking about. So let's start with the walls, because there's four of them, right? What should <laughs> yes. we consider when we are thinking about perhaps painting the space?
1: This is, there's quite, there's more and more, actually, there's more and more information coming out these days about what's actually, I call it what lies beneath the tin lid. But basically, if you're looking to paint your nursery, really investigate what is in that paint, because there's some big brands out there that actually. State claims that their paint is certain, but when you dig into it deeper, it's not. If you're looking for paint, go for paint that is natural based, plant based. If an ingredient in a can of paint is below a certain amount in certain countries, it's not actually marked on the label of the tin. So there might be stuff in that paint that's not actually um, labeled on the tin. Also, if the paint's got latex in, latex is a form of plastic once you put it on the wall. So the walls won't be able to breathe. You're at more risk of mold. And also, if you are painting a room, even if it is a plant-based paint, give your the room plenty of time to ventilate, because any paint will off-gas, even if it's plant-based. They all contain some amount of off-gassing. You'll never escape it if you go for the cheaper brands of paint. There's more likely you're going to get chemicals and products in there that you don't really want. And over time, these chemicals will leak, will off-gas into the room. A lot of research has shown that our internal air environments is actually more detrimental to the outside and that's in the city. So when you're searching for paints, really shop around, do your homework and look for natural paints. You know, if you're not sure about it, contact that supplier or manufacturer. And if you're still not sure, don't buy it.
0: Do you have any brands that you would recommend to my listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. Oro, which is a German-based paint, and I think that is available globally. They are clay-based paints. You've also got pure and original They're based in the Netherlands and I'm sure they're available globally. Um, You've also got other manufacturers like Stone. They do um, natural paint so that there's a few paints, but just really, really check what is in that paint. You know, if, if you have to pay a little bit more, I would. That's one aspect that I would pay more on is what are you putting on your walls and your ceiling and also on your woodwork?
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said that because just recently I had to paint something in my house and I went to the paint store. There was one can for, I don't know, $30. And then the next one was like $90 and I didn't want to spend triple. But when it comes to our health, perhaps that's what we need to do. Now, I also have to ask because my daughter's first room, her nursery, had the cutest wallpaper in the whole world. (laughs) What should parents be thinking about if they seek to cover their walls with wallpaper?
1: Well, wallpaper is like, it's a booming industry and there's such really good kids designs out there. There's some really good artists out there that are doing wallpaper designs. One thing to look for is to stay clear of vinyl wallpaper because vinyl contains chemicals. There's a new non-woven eco-friendly wallpaper that has just come out and it's made from wood fibers. Basically try to look for papers that are contain are plant-based. Make sure there's no other chemicals in there or binders and stuff that are chemical based. Also the inks that are used to dye for the design check out that they're not full of chemicals. And also it's not just about the wallpaper it's what you're sticking it to the wall with. Because, you know, the wallpaper solvent, what's in it? You could buy a really nice eco-friendly wallpaper and then you could get someone to come along if you're not very good at wallpaper. And I said, I'm not very good at wallpaper and I must have stick my hand up there. And they use a bug standard adhesive for the walls. There are some really great plant-based adhesive out there. And it's just about searching online. But if you put in plant-based adhesive wallpaper paste, it will come up on a, on a search.
0: All right, so we talked about the walls and the ceiling. Now we have to, of course, talk about the floor. Talk to me about carpet and talk to me about wood flooring. I don't know if any of us, when we're designing our nurseries or kids' rooms, are putting in wood flooring, but we're here, we're talking about flooring. Talk to me about the environmental concerns associated with carpets and perhaps even installing wood.
1: Okay, so I know, speak to a lot of my friends that have had children and that everyone puts a carpet in the room in their children's room or their infants then their soon-to-be infants room which I think you know it'd be safe it will protect them if they fall over but then when you start looking at what is actually in that carpet that you're laying down if you put a a synthetic fiber carpet down well that's made from made from man-made fibers so what what chemicals have been used to make that if you buy a wool carpet, you know, if you're not vegan, and you go for wool carpet, things to consider like, well, if you've got a stain retardant or has it got fire retardant on. And then it's not just a case of what the top bit's made of. It's the dyes also that have been used to create the pattern or the color of the carpet. Are these chemicals or are they natural dyes? And then you get to the next bit, which is the what the carpet is stuck to is that made from synthetic fibers or is it made from natural fibers and also the glue that's been used to stick the carpet together and then once you get to the bottom bit the underlay what's the underlay being used you know is this made from natural fibers or is it synthetic fibers unless you actually stood back and actually thought about it because you're so get taken away don't it's so fun designing a children's or a baby's room and you think great the carpet's great but if you think about it, your your baby's uh is gonna be crawling around, lying on the floor for the first year and a half, two years of their life before they're up and they're away, and their faces on the carpet, their arms, their bodies on the carpet. It's not just about breathing in the chemicals that are on some of these carpets, it's actually because they're touching it, then they put their fingers in their mouth, so they're ingesting it. So and these can then have effects later on on developmental and, and endocrine.
0: Well, just to piggyback off your point there that babies grow to toddlers and toddlers toddle around on their on the floor of material, I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and they're still sitting on the floor to play most days. They're not big sit on the couch or sit on a chair, kids. They're on the floor. And so I think it's really important for those of us listening with older kids to really consider... The floor material. Now, talk to me about wood floors. If there's anybody by any chance who is constructing or renovating, what should they be concerned about as they seek to perhaps put down wood or even maybe vinyl flooring?
1: Oh, vinyl flooring. Vinyl flooring, be, you have to be really careful because vinyl is. I'm not a personal favorite of vinyl flooring, if I'm honest. If you wanted a wooden floor, I would go for a proper wooden floor or a reclaimed wooden floor. And obviously reclaimed wooden flooring is a lot more sustainable. I know there's a lot of old properties in the US, just like in the UK and here in Europe, that when people start ripping down stuff, you, you it's amazing what you can find at junkyards. And then obviously if you are, are going to have a wooden flooring what what what's it been finished with what lacquer have they used to finish with? because there are environmentally friendly sustainable lacquers out there that aren't full of toxic chemicals if you buy certain types of vinyl flooring like i said i don't really vinyl every time someone mentions the word vinyl i don't like it because all i can see is there's chemicals and there are better alternatives for instance bamboo flooring but if you do like a bamboo flooring which is another wooden flooring you need to start thinking in the high end because there's no some no guarantee that if you buy mid or low range, what have they used to stick the bamboo together? What chemicals have been used? It's it's a bit like your wall coverings, really. It's in the sense that you get what you pay for, but you have to do, and you have to do the research. And a lot of people say, "Why a wooden flooring for a child's room or nursery?" Well, you can actually finish it off with a nice rug. If there's spillages when they get like a bit older, if they've got their friends around on the floor, it's easier to clean and it's easier to maintain than a carpet. So in the longevity of a wooden floor, I I always seem to think it would work. And I think it looks good in a children's room.
0: My children have wooden floors and I wouldn't change it for the world. They're so much easier to clean My children's play area has a rug, and they've completely destroyed that rug. If they each then had rugs in their own rooms, those would be two additional rugs that my children would have destroyed. So I am all for having hard flooring in the bedrooms. I'm not going to talk to you about bedding and mattresses today because I've covered those topics on another podcast. It was episode 190. If anybody missed it and wants to hear about, you know, the bedding and the mattress... Conundrum. But I do want to talk to you about furniture. We're going to talk about all things children's furniture after a quick word from this week's second sponsor. Hello, sustainable minimalists listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven Collection and we're back with Rachel Fowler, author of My Happy Place: Healthy, Sustainable and Humane Interior Design for Life and Work. Rachel, I'd love to transition this conversation and talk about children's furniture. Specifically when we talk about furnishing a nursery or a kid's room, the problem becomes that we think we need the changing table or just the crib that maybe perhaps turns into a toddler bed, but that What 10 year old sleeping in a toddler bed? So I feel as though the furniture that's on the market doesn't always grow with the child. So I want to talk to you first. I have two questions. I'm asking multiple questions at once. One is, how can parents best find sustainable furniture beyond embracing secondhand? And do you have any tips for parents who at the outset want to purchase furniture that actually grows with their child.
1: Yes, changing trays. My, I, I, I just think that's such a lot of expense, isn't it, to buy a changing table, and and then what do you do, unless you sell it on at the end of a uh, once the baby's now become a bit bigger and doesn't require it anymore? Well, do you know what? You can buy a really good chest of drawers that's so- made of solid wood, um, and you can use the top for the changing table, so that then this chest of drawers will basically carry on through with this child till they get to teenager you know until they even move out i mean my parents did it for us we have our bedroom furniture came with us when me and my sister moved out so i just feel like on a changing table i think you're just it's just another commodity that's out there for sale when you don't need to expend it especially it's an expensive time when you're having a baby or or any children a wardrobe do you need to buy a baby wardrobe can you buy a wardrobe that's got uh, drawers at the bottom because these drawers at the bottom would be great for storing clothes or even toys.
0: Yeah, so much of that makes an awful lot of sense, right? I did everything wrong when I was purchasing furniture for my kids. I had the issue of knowing that kids destroy stuff. And so I didn't want to get the nicest items on the market, because I knew that it would get ruined. And so I bought the cheapest stuff. I went to Ikea. And pause and say this was prior to me going down this sustainability journey. I would never buy anything from these cheap furniture stores anymore, but I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was saving a lot of money. Well, fast forward seven years, my oldest daughter seven, the drawers are buckling. The trust of drawers is scratched and ruined. And what I should have done if I could go back in time is purchased some quality secondhand furniture. So for any parents listening, and you don't want to spend a lot of money on the new stuff that the kids are going to destroy, just buy the secondhand quality stuff that's real wood and give it a second life. Perhaps you refinish it if it's not to your aesthetic. And going back to the crib turning into the bed problem, I did think I was doing the right thing. I bought a crib that turned into a toddler bed. What I should have done was I should have looked a little bit harder and purchased a crib that turned into the headboard of a big kid bed. They are out there. I did not know they existed, but they are out there. You will have to buy the bigger mattress to go with the bigger bed. But for any parents who are not having extra kids, not needing to pass down that crib to another child, be on the lookout for the crib that actually turns into the full-size bed once they grow up and skip the toddler bed altogether because what even is a toddler bed it's just it's just a waste let's move on to window treatments now I read your book I loved it and I learned that blackout blinds have a big fat problem what is it
1: yes polyvinyl chloride can be found in a lot of blackout Basically, people might think, well, what is chloride?" Basically, it's made from petrochemicals, another of that lovely industry, um, and it will off gas. So there are different alternatives. You could just get a good Roman blind, you could get um some decent curtains to create the blackout, you can even if you've got wooden shutters or the plantation shutters, they're an alternative. But if you want specifically are going for a blackout blind, Really look what lays beneath the layers because basically, a blackout blind is loads of layers of fabrics. But experiment, see what else works in there. I mean, if you are going for a Roman blind, I mean, they're super good. Get someone else to make it if you can afford it, or try making it yourself, it makes it even more fun. And obviously, be really careful with the pulley up, pulley for the blind thing. Make sure that's secure, that the children can't get at it. There's lots of rules and regulations and standards now. Rachel, before we say goodbye, can you tell us where my
0: listeners can find your book, My Happy Place?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, You can find my book on Amazon. The feedback has been really, really good. So, yeah, it's very encouraging, very encouraging.
0: Well, quick plug for your book. It's wonderful. Parents, new parents, old parents like me, you need this book. It's not just about kids' rooms. It's about the whole house.
1: Yes, that's correct. Yes, yes.
0: Well, Rachel, I want to wish you the best of luck, much success with the launch of your book. Thank you so much for coming on the show and offering us your insight you gave me and I'm sure you gave my listeners an awful lot to think about. So thank you so
1: much. Thank you for having me on. It's been very nice. Thank you.
0: Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rachel Fowler. I have linked to her book. I've linked to her resources that she mentioned in this week's episode in the show notes. I should also say, too, for anybody listening who wants to buy the healthier and more environmentally products on the market but just doesn't have any idea where to go, where to start, where to look... Rachel's book is really unique because the appendix has the sustainable tile companies, the sustainable carpet companies, the sustainable paint companies, all in the book. And they're updated as to now because the book is just coming up now. So if that's of interest for you, I definitely suggest you check out Rachel's book. Perhaps you purchase it. Perhaps you ask your library to stock it. Those are some options for you. I will see you on Thursday for your regularly scheduled question answering. I will see you then. Have an amazing two days and take care.